This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, great to have you here on the show on that uh, Monday time slot where, of course, we visit with our friends over at Blacklock's Reporter to dig into all the juicy headlines that often don't get the attention they deserve, but they should because they actually do impact your daily life. And no one, of course, does that better than our friend Tom Korski, who's the managing editor at Blacklock's Reporter. He joins us now. Good to have you, Tom. Thank you, Alex. So word on the street over the weekend was that the Liberal Party uh, had summoned, actually it's from you guys, um, had summoned reporters to a confidential meeting this morning to discuss campaign logistics. And um, were you on that call? Do you know what the logistics are? I tried to dial in. This is for uh, people who are on the plane. It's very expensive. It's a Mm six-figure charge. Typically, the television networks and... uh, uh, subsidized wire services uh, go on these planes. It's it's frankly an odd tradition. I'm surprised it still goes on. But uh, I think the, I think the uh, bean counters are too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very expensive process. Uh, there have been charges in past years up to four hundred thousand dollars. It's serious yeah. money for a news organization for something that's covered uh, by everybody online all the time. Uh, but uh, liberals were to be today, conservatives tomorrow. What does it mean? It means the boat's in the water. There will be an election. Yeah, it's just a matter of when. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, a Calgary um, candidate had tweeted out this weekend, you know, come help me launch the campaign. And that was on the Sunday. Uh, you know, so a lot of people were wondering, oh, is it going to be the 8th that they're kicking this off? The 16th is kind of the day that they're throwing around as as the day. But then we learned this morning that um, three MPs are actually not going to run, one due to health concerns. But then you've got Adam Vaughn suddenly dropping out, probably uh, with a you know, hopes of being a mayor one day. And then you've got Will Amos, who, you know, was too distracted by, you know, his will. And, um, you know, I guess it got, I guess politics got in the way of his voyeurism. So, you know, he's dropped out too. But, you know, to drop out like a week before, that seems a little tight. It is. And uh, we know even as late as last Friday, the Liberals were short about 100 candidates. Now, that's 100 out of 338. That is literally... Uh, that problem can be remedied with by putting pen on paper. Uh, parties, it's not like old times. Parties uh, parachute candidates and self-nominate candidates all the time. But there is no doubt it's inexplicable uh, why. Uh, but but the boat is in the water, Alex. There will be a campaign mm-hmm. uh, under the Canada Elections Act, federal law, 36 to 50 days. That's the time frame which puts you in. Uh, at a ballot at about the last week of September, right around the fourth wave and yeah. the disruption of school and harvest. It's uh, not great timing. And of course, there's still a recession. But uh, somebody thinks this is a good idea. Yeah, they're willing to throw caution to the wind and um, they'll they'll pay the price for that if the electorate uh, looks at it and says, you know, this is irresponsible. Um, Aaron O'Toole was, of course, out today. All, they're already campaigning and, and he the opposition's making sure this isn't our idea. We're ready to go, but this is not our idea. And so Trudeau does wear it if these cases surge and people are like freaked out, especially if schools are shutting down and who knows what goes on. But he, this is his. And we've pointed out in the past, the thing to watch for in a pandemic election has never happened nationally before. 
But in the pandemic votes that have been held, uh, provincial elections in British Columbia, Saskatchewan, and two federal by-elections last October, turnout was very low, in low 50% margins in the provinces. And in the uh, federal by-elections, turnout was about a third which means that you are highly motivated to put on your mask and wait in line. And that's usually not good news for an incumbent. That's just sort of an iron law of politics that when turnout is low, only the angry vote. Yeah, so that means the Conservatives will be out in droves. Um, Illegal, I I find this just confounding. So a legal activist who lamented the shameful history of Sir John MacDonald opposed citizenship tests is now a federal judge. Abby Yao Yao Go um, has been a director over at the Toronto Law Clinic. She criticized for Canadians for anti-China sem- uh, sentiment and white supremacy. Um, she describes herself as, you know, a lawyer fighting for social justice and cohesion. She was appointed by Lametti on Friday. We don't need social justice on our bench. I, f- I find this appointment very problematic. And uh, Judge Goh is very outspoken and has been. I, I want to stress, these are not like wiretaps or, or overheard conversations uh, at, at the picnic table. Uh, Judge mm-hmm. Goh has made a career of writing letters to the editor, writing reports on Canadian racism to the United Nations Commission on Human Rights. Very outspoken. She has advocated abolition of the citizenship test as a hollow ritual, quote, unquote. She described John A. Macdonald's tenure, father of Confederation, as nightmarish, quote, unquote. And now she's a federal judge. You know, lots of people have opinions, Alex. The guys who shoot pool in my hometown, they have opinions. We just never thought we were judge material, but apparently... (laughs) Apparently, that's not the case anymore. She's a very opinionated person. Yes, and opinionated and very much in favor of the motherland um, at that. So China will be very uh, excited, um, I guess, to have a place uh, on the on the Canadian bench. Well, we can only presume, given her comments about uh, a very unfortunate phrase, and her law clinic submitted a report to the United Nations, to, talked about white supremacy in Canada. That's a... a Man, that's a loaded term. Mm-hmm. So Judge uh, Go was either not vetted at all or vetted very carefully, if you get my meaning. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, this is a kind of headline that won't get a lot of attention, but it should because we don't want activism on our, on our bench. We have far too much of it, and, um, and it just it's an erosion of the rule of law. And so... I guess we'll have to wait and see some of her rulings. I'll be interested to to read what she has to say because she's got so much to say. And then you've got this other, this is another confounding kind of like how the hell did this happen? You've got a Supreme Court um, decision that said there there was no need for Justice uh, Rosalie Abella to recuse herself from a case in which her husband, her husband worked for the appellant. And the Canadian Judicial Council, as you well know, cautions all judges, you gotta, you got to avoid reasonable sub- suspicion of conflict. And yet the ruling came down at the end of July. It was in a copyright case um, at New York University versus Canadian Copyright Licensing Agency. Her husband, Irving, is a professor at York's history faculty. I mean, that is nothing but a conflict of interest. It does, it does look that way, doesn't it? We asked the Supreme Court, <laughs> what, what are your rules? Do, do, what rules do you have for recusal? That's where a judge has to leave the room. In this case, not only did Justice Abella not leave the room, she wrote the majority opinion. <laughs> 
And uh, it was extremely sympathetic, forgive me, to the appellant, which was York University, which employed her husband. And no one thought that was a bad idea. They wouldn't give us the rules, Alex. I don't think there are any rules. You know, we often hear from the federal court system in this country that they are world class. They will tell you that at the drop of a hat, the chief justice has an annual news conference. He's spoken many times about we have one of the best federal court systems in the world. Interestingly, I've never heard anyone outside of Canada say that. Perhaps Belgium thinks so. But there are questions, aren't there? Well, yeah. And if there's questions, that means um, there's a problem because we shouldn't be questioning any of this. So, again, uh, just quickly want to get this one in because I I, <laughs> I don't see this ever happening, but I guess Uber should be on standby. Uh, the Department of Transport surveyed Canadians on whether they would take a flying taxi. Most didn't think it was a good idea. We spent 61000 bucks on this research. Not everyone's apparently comfortable flying a taxi cab. I it was interesting. can't imagine why. It was, it was <laughs> It was an interesting survey. Good point taken. Flying taxis are not licensed in Canada. And I, I want to stress that. The Department of Transport, okay. though, they did hire Leger Marketing. And this was included in a drone survey. And the question was, hey, would you take a flying taxi? And uh, I, I agree with you. A large majority of Canadians, very common sense people, said, I have a lot of questions about that. Interestingly, one of the quotes was, it, it sounds like it would be very noisy. Now, <laughs> Alex... I want to stress, mm-hmm. if I was compelled to take a flying taxi, the noise disruption would be the least of my worries. I would have a lot of no other kidding. concerns. But i got to tell you, the day that flying taxis are licensed in Canada, Transport Canada is going to be right there. They're prepared. They are prepared. Well, clearly, um, you know, they haven't been to Toronto or, or an urban downtown in rush hour because, uh, you know, <laughs> what could go wrong? It's just like everything. Um, But nonetheless, uh, I hope they're better drivers than some of the cabs and Ubers I've been in of late. But I guess time will tell on this one. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure. We'll see where it takes us. (laughs) Thank you, Alex. Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. And, of course, it is is subscription-based. It is worth every penny. I tell you that all the time uh, because they get the headlines. They just do get the dirt, and that's what you're paying for. I'm Alex Pearson on Point, and this is Global News Radio.